never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd Welcome to another episode of the It's Canon Podcast. Just like the Bundesliga, the It's Canon Podcast is back. As always, I am your host, I'm Boris, and I am joined by Phil. Hey there, Boris and everybody. How are you all doing today? Oh, I'm doing freaking great. Uh, I got to watch some soccer in the morning, so that was fun. Did you catch any of it? Yeah, I caught that Schalke game, and uh, it was definitely weird seeing sports without fans. It was that's, definitely, uh, yep. That's it was, challenging. Pandemic world is weird. I know, right? But uh, it is a little um, positive, I guess, seeing that things are starting slowly to start acting like normal. Um, but, you know, as I, I hate coining this term, but it's true. This is all the new normal. We don't know how long we're going to be without crowds, uh, especially in Europe. You know, Europe was hit pretty damn hard. Um, but it's surprising to see that Germany, you know, here we are watching Bundesliga. It's fantastic, but it's weird. Yeah, it, it's definitely different. Good to have the sports back. Good to have competition back on TV. I think um, reading through a little bit of Twitter this morning, Paul Byrne, a friend of ours, probably had tweet of the day when he said, if you're finding it odd to watch soccer in an empty stadium, obviously you haven't been supporting the Canadian men's teams. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It's so damn true. Or soccer in general in Canada, I guess. It, it, it's challenging on so many levels, but... You know what? Slowly but surely, you know, the sport will get there, and uh, it's very good to have some normality in whatever stance it's taking back in our lives. Exactly. And, you know, there could be, I'm sure, and there is a lot of debate as to how much normality should we get to so soon. You know, even in the topics that we talk about, we're seeing, you know, grand debates. For example, in the States. 200 theaters are beginning to open, um, you know, throughout the country. Uh, don't, not exactly sure which locations are opening, um, but obviously, you know, we're starting to see some theaters open, and um, it's just weird. Like, for me, it's really weird. Uh, having said that, though, reading this article a little closer, they are mainly drive-in theaters that are opening. And then 50 brick and mortar. So it's not as bad as the headline says, but it's still a little weird that, you know, we are going to start cramming people into a small, unventilated room. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and secondly, like, is there really the content? Are, are the, the production companies of movies really pushing compelling 
films out there right now. I, I like I saw Scooby Doo or Scoob or whatever they're calling it has has an appearance in the whole media just like Trolls did. But yeah, in terms of movie theaters, it would it would take a, it takes a lot for a movie to get me to go to a theater as it stands right now. In this pandemic world or this you know this virus this COVID world, I don't know that I'm eager. I'll be more eager to see it on Netflix or just even be able to purchase the film if I know it's going to be quality. Well, that's exactly it. You know, um, it's the content. What, what what are people watching? Most movies that have been slated for release in the April time or April May time frame have moved out. Black Widow's moved out. You know, among other movies, uh, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, exactly. Um, and uh, oh, what what is it? The new James Bond. Yeah that, that was, yeah, that was supposed to be May. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just really weird because it's all of these movies, like what's out there right now? It's movies that you've probably already seen at home. Um, I would assume, I doubt everyone's flocking to go see uh, Josh Trank's uh, Capone movie. Uh, <laughs> so it's just really interesting to kind of see what people are watching. Um, you know, as I'm talking about this, I'm looking at more reports of more movies being pulled. So the new Purge movie that was set for release in July, it's being pulled, uh, delayed up until later. Um, so it's just, it's like, what are, what are people actually watching? Yeah, it, it it really is a, a question, right? Like, I don't know, maybe I've been socially distancing for most of my life or something, but theater started to really turn me off just in terms of the pricing of, of going to a movie. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at 15 to $20, depending on your seat, or $25, depending on your seat choice. And the food and everything uh, accommodated with it, it's an event. And I just don't see the schedule full of eventful movies at all exactly like everything is being pushed everything is getting to that point and even even when it is pushed let's just say eventually it hits the theaters in some form as well as a combination release or whatever the new strategy is are you really going to want to socially distance in a theater six feet away from somebody you know it, it i just can't see it being an enjoyable experience at the current price point now the drive-ins on the other hand great idea i think that it gets some people social i even saw july talk or talking about doing two concerts at drive-in theaters which is fabulous to see here in canada yeah and probably new market in oakville yeah if it's a new market hey (laughs) for you yeah but um, you, you know, like it, it's it's happened in Germany. We've seen the discos and and all that kind of stuff. There's these attempts, but like I, I, I keep on circling back to content, and unfortunately, this is going to have a huge impact on all of our consumption because we're not even in a point in the world where we're producing movies or producing TV shows. That's exactly it. You know, a lot of shows had to cut their season short. Um, I was reading earlier that even a show like Grey's Anatomy had to end their season early, four episodes earlier because they just didn't get to film the rest of the season. Uh, so, you know, there's no, there's no production happening. Uh, if we take a look at here in Ontario specific, seeing what's actually opening, clearly, there's no production happening. There's post-production happening. So things that mm-hmm. have already been filmed is being made. So I'm sure that there's going to be a shit ton of reality TV being uh, produced or, um, you know, finalized and whatnot right now. But there's no production. So going back to the whole content thing, like what is there 
for us to consume. You know, luckily, uh, there's a movie like The New Mutants, which we've mm-hmm. uh, been it, delay after delay after delay, uh, after reshoot after delay, finally has a new release date of August. Um, so that's something that someone, you know, five people will probably be looking forward to. But <laughs> overall, in the grand scheme of things, there's just no new content being made right now so hopefully you know i'm pretty sure that they're looking through the vaults and seeing what's been shelved and 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 trying to get stuff out there which is you know for a lot of production companies they're gonna have to make the decision if this was put away are we going to actually put this in the theater so that people have to pay a shit ton for you know grand scheme of things or are they going to use it for the um for their streaming services and whatnot i i there, there is a, a compelling or interesting angle to this too. If, if they've shelved a whole bunch of content, maybe that means that some of the chancier or riskier stuff gets to be seen that exactly. might actually open up a new audience. That's, that's an angle I hadn't considered. But as well, you know what? We've got Mandalorian season two. That's, uh, I think the practical shooting is done. So yep. we're in post edit there. Uh, there's also, uh, uh, uh Expanse season five. Mm-hmm. I think wrapped in Toronto just before all this stuff kind of hit. So that's in post. Um, there, there's, you know, there are some bright spots coming up in terms of the normality of things, but goodness knows when we're looking at further seasons where some of these, you know, shows that have a great fan base and, and a loyal following, it, it impacts a lot. Like going down, we could be talking two, three years worth of, of repercussions to the industry. And who knows what kind of complications they are going to encounter in a place like here in Toronto or, or around the world in California and anywhere else they're shooting, what kind of challenges they're going to have in terms of maintaining these social distancing and, and maintaining the health of these movie stars and production people who are so essential to great content, right? That's exactly it. And, you know, I don't want to dwell on the whole prima donna attitude of some stars but i'm sure that you know that some agents are going to obviously want to take care of their of their um bread maker a little more so who knows like you know grand scheme of things who knows what the industry is going to look like moving forward um you know if we take a look at tv for example you know the tv seasons right now have been pushed back from a september start to a january start uh cw um, I know those shows get a lot of flack, but if that's any indication to the mm-hmm. larger, um, I guess, world of TV, you know, a lot of the shows that were slated to start in September, so, you know, the remaining Arrowverse shows um, and whatnot, they've been moved to at least a January start. So that means that they're probably aiming for a fall filming, you know, at the very mm-hmm. earliest. Depending so, on how much post goes into that, that those types of shows, right? Exactly. Special effects and... Exactly. What not? Exactly. So it's crazy that, like, you know, we're already falling. That's almost a calendar year. Like, that's, and, and that's a TV show that has a quick turnaround ish. Um, as yeah. opposed, uh, you know, they're, that's, yeah, that's they're not, not high budget, highly polished products. They're just, you know, uh, not to besmirch or, you know, speak badly about CW. They make some great content, but it's quick and dirty. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Just like our podcast, quick and dirty. Try to get them out there. Uh, but, you know, and then taking a look at not only shows that ha- are, you know, already few seasons in, you know, what about pilot season? 
I'm sure that a lot of pilots have, were filmed before, and, and, and I'm making a huge assumption as to when these are, or things are actually filmed, but how many shows are actually going to be picked up for the quote-unquote new season? Um, you know, we have, mm-hmm. again, I'm using CW as the example just because they've gone out and they've started talking about, you know, what's the new season is actually going to entail. Uh, Arrow was supposed to have a possible crossover, um, you know, uh, and then also the the 100. Mm-hmm. They're not in these January lineup, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be picked up. So there's a lot of uncertain on even new shows. So then what are these productions going to do? Are they going to keep everyone employed with the hopes of being picked up? Or are they just going to allow people to do their own thing? Um, and then, you know, kind of cancel the show because of production reasons. It, it's really crazy to think. Um, but what we are also seeing is we have where this, this, where CW has actually picked up Swamp Thing season one from mm-hmm. the DC exclusive DC streaming, uh, that's out at only in the States. Uh, you know, so CW has that backup. Unfortunately, that Swamp Thing show was canceled, uh, because of really weird budget production reasons they weren't getting tax credits and you know the production ended up costing a lot more and, and you know just uh, just an overall it was mess. a good show it i actually, I actually did tune into that and i enjoyed uh, i saw the majority of the seasons and i enjoyed what i saw exactly so but even then you know you only have you know about 13 episodes or so of content and then what you know and mm-hmm. these has we have the possibility of getting more but you know we just don't know what that's actually going to look like so going back to you the entire topic of content is you know what are they see they're showing and then thinking more about tv and what this new season is actually going to look like uh you know tv stations are gonna they can only show reruns for so long uh yeah so it'll be interesting to sort of see what's going to happen. What are your thoughts? What do you think if, if you, you know, looking into your crystal ball, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I think that this would be a moment of opportunity. I, I'm trying to put it as positively as I can, because I think you've outlined a lot of the concerns uh, bang on. It's opportunity for different channels and different, uh, levels of open-mindedness uh, as far as executives and people calling the shots go as far as um, just being able to bring new and original content. Like we've seen things like Saturday Night Live go with Quarantine Edition. We've, we're have we seeing all the uh, late night talk shows filming from home and doing things a little bit differently. And I think in that originality, there might be something that's tangible in there as technology enhances our connectivity. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most technology companies are going to be looking at things to either, you know, assist people in terms of navigating this world or make it better to be virtual, right? And and it's, it's an opportunity. That's I hate to exactly repeat it, but it, it, it could be a great, if I look into that crystal ball, there could be some really great, compelling content going forward. Because I don't even think that these shows are going to want to revisit the past. Exactly. You know, 
pre-COVID. So now we're talking about whole new spins and multiverses and all this kind of stuff about, well, what happens in this timeline? If these superheroes or these characters are interacting, what does society look like from their point of view? What happens if you change one or two things about it? You know, exactly. there's there's a lot of what ifs <laughs> that Disney and DC and all the companies can explore in the geek world. Exactly. And what's really cool about all this is that, um, you know, what we are seeing is that you can produce TV from home. You know, camera mm-hmm. technology and technology in general is good enough where even for high definition, high def TVs, you know, recording from your webcam, recording from your iPhone or whatever doesn't look horrible. You know, we had that uh, standing together special uh, here in Canada that was entirely filmed various locations, uh, you know, by home, home media and whatnot. And they were able to produce a hour and a half long show. Like, is this the yeah. future of, you know, content that we're going to be getting on TV and in, you know, media, in media, social media, you know, streaming services and whatnot. Like these things are possible. We're seeing news broadcasts happening from people's bedrooms, from people's living rooms. Mm-hmm. Is that something that we're going to be seeing more of, you know, the late night, uh, talk show hosts, They've been going on do, uh, recording from home, uh, and yep. some of them have even been using Zoom, WebEx, and, and applications like that, and the quality hasn't been the best, but, you know, we have nothing better to watch, but, you know, if if you said I'm a pro cam or something, it is possible to record your own content, have these less, you know, crazy budgeted shows... And people are still going to be watching them. So I have a feeling that old, oh, there's a lot of ideas and a lot of war rooms in, in these, um, yeah. in these media companies thinking of how can we capitalize on this, thinking that, hey, budgets are going to be cut. Uh, you know, that's the reality of, of, of all of this is how can we get more content out there for less money, uh, that appeases just as many, if not more people. Yeah, it, it's kind of like the, the reality TV revolution of a few years ago, right? Yep. You're looking at TV that was quick and dirty to make, and it took people, if people found it very compelling and still do. And it's an entire industry unto itself. And it really, that came out of like left field as a, as a, you know, survivor was trying to just throw something on TV in an the, off season, like in an off channel yeah, kind of cycle. Yep. just to have content and they took a chance on it and those are the types of chances that I'm hopeful this you know event worldwide is is going to produce or or you know once somebody gets it right then everybody's going to copy it right and exactly. then you're going to start seeing it explode and and yeah you're right about the music and you know all the stuff that's going on concerts aren't going to be around you know in, in the way that they were for quite a while there's a lot of different media that's going to be happening that way you're seeing radio diversify into this working from home kind of studio environment and it's working you can't you know it, it just us. seems like to- you know i don't have i don't even have my professional or my, my usual equipment it's far from professional equipment but it's pretty good equipment you know but i think that our podcasts have been sending half decent for the most part you know with a little yeah. tweaking they'll sound a little better as you know yeah, these companies want to not these companies, but if new companies want to start, hey, why don't we, in, you know, get a new algorithm that can eliminate noise, that can make transfers smaller, things like that. You know, that's the future. Yep. That's how you're going to make an impact right now in the business world. Is you know, whoever can come up with that beautiful Silicon Valley compression rate. <laughs> 
do it right now because this is you know this is the time how can we come on pied piper exactly exactly <laughs> like you know like that's that's this is this is the the brave new world you know it, even thinking yeah. about comic cons cons in general you know we know yeah. that san diego comic-con has been canceled new york it's most likely going to be canceled WonderCon has been canceled uh but you know what uh there's a lot of speculation right now that Comic-Con Internationals, that San Diego, they're going to have like a con at home type event in July, uh, you know, yeah. because I'm pretty sure that a lot of sponsors want to save their announcements for Comic-Con. So Comic-Con yeah. doesn't want to take that away from them because that's a huge, you know, moneymaker for them. So they're going to try to figure something out and have this con at home where I bet you it'll be some sort of subscription service possibly where you get the exclusive announcements, exclusive trailers, whatever, content's going to yeah. be released, whatever that's going to look like. But, you know, they're going to try to do business as usual, but in this new way. So, you know... There's a lot of war rooms right now, various companies and various uh, media uh, buildings right now where they're trying to think of how can we do business as usual for less with changing things up, making things easier for people. Uh, but, you know, taking into consideration that budgets are going to be slashed because hashtag capitalism. So, <laughs> you know, it's well, and there's going to be a lot of crap out there, too. I, oh, I'm. One hundred percent. I'm, you know, eager to see what fails just as much as what succeeds. And my the succeed part of the story is just entertainment. The failure, I think, is just pure comedy. But oh, I can't wait. Yeah, like, you know, right now, and uh, we're talking about all this stuff that has come out. I never said any of it was good. I just said it's out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so you know they're trying. They're, they're trying, trying real hard. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, I. I to be 100% honest, it's been hard for me to watch, like, you know, regular TV. Like, right now, wrestling is on. I can't even watch wrestling. It's in an empty arena. You take that, that away. It just looks like, you know, a high school musical-type production at this point. It just seems really weird. I, it's been different. I haven't been able to consume what I usually consume, even though it's kind of still on. Even today yeah. with the Bundesliga, it but just that, felt different. That's such a huge part of anything, as we know, with sports and, and entertainment. And that's atmosphere, right? Exactly. You need that background noise. You need that engagement from the fans in order for you to feel something at home, even watching it. Exactly. It's such an essential part that I don't think any of us really came to realize until it's gone, right? Until you see that product or that, that event without the background crowd, like this morning's soccer or, you know, <laughs> wrestling, uh, even NASCAR, you're not going to have reactions from people or those sight lines that a lot of the cameramen kind of rely on and, and a lot of the production needs in order to get the people engaged at home. Exactly. It is a big game changer. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. like, I haven't been able to keep up to my regular routine, um, but there are things out there and I'm sure that some of it's good, some of it's not good. But, you know, these companies are going to have to figure out the, the right formula and the right formula and the right balance. Uh, I'm sure that they are working on a Zoom-type reality dating show that's going to be hitting Netflix oh, and be the new hit of whatever season is going to be. But, you know, it's it's just going to be interesting <laughs> to see what, what fails, what succeeds, what's pathetically funny, you know, what's the next Tiger King sensation. Um, you know, Oh, so I avoided that one like the play. I'm sure you have. I, I know you well enough to like 
that's the reason why we haven't even brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it explode everywhere, and I'm like, this seems like one show that will probably just make me angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to hate mankind after this, so don't yep. push me any further. <laughs> Look, it came out at the right time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Good for them. You know what? There's a whole avenue of Netflix that I don't even touch or explore. And a lot of that, what you just referenced, is in there. And that's okay. You know, yep. uh, that's that's great. I'll, I'll take Standalone Complex 2045 any day or Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Thank you yep. very much. Exactly. <laughs> and going back to the topic that kicked us all off, movie theaters and what the future holds for movie theaters. You know, what I think will happen is we're going to be seeing smaller theaters prop up again. Again, which is kind of funny because mm-hmm. you know i remember the first movie that i saw in theaters was the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie and it was in this dinky Ooh. little theater uh couldn't i don't even know how many people it held like probably 50 or so uh people max and then you know we started seeing more of the uh, arena type theaters yeah stadium the, seating the stadium arenas. seating and things yeah. like that and then we saw like the vip because people realize that hey i actually hate people and i want to watch this you know making me feel more comfortable but i'm gonna pay a a more you know a higher price for this comfort i'm gonna i'm gonna open a rant about the vip go ahead do it and that is i don't like hearing people eat food while i'm watching a movie I like the distance part of the VIP experience, but when somebody is mowing down on a plate of nachos with their mouth open chewing, nothing turns me off more of the theater experience. It it takes a hell of a movie in order for me to not want to get up and just take that plate away and throw it somewhere. You're telling me you don't get a chubby? You know, a half chubby from from smelling someone's uh, seafood dishes, you know, as you're trying to watch the, you know, the next. I I had one experience where I was sitting there and the people complained about the food relentlessly. And I'm just thinking in my mind, you're at a movie theater. This isn't a restaurant. Like, please. Like, yeah, it's it's dirty bar food. That's what they're serving. Dirty bar food. (laughs) That's that literally what it is. If you know the yeah. owners of the VIP theaters here in, in Ontario, you know that what you're going to get is not the best of food. It's not the worst of food. No, not the not worst awesome. of food. I'm surprised by some of what is on there. I'll be honest. Like there, there's yeah, some half you're not decent stuff. Mark McEwen, you know, gourmet no. fucking food everything food. is deep fried. Like, like <laughs> let's face exactly. it. It's either deep fried or it's a salad. One or the other. Yep. You see, when I go to a VIP theater, I'm a fan of, you know, before the movie, maybe yes. having something, but I'm yep. not one to, like, fucking be chowing down on a steak uh, or beef tartare <laughs> while I'm trying to watch something on the big screen. First off, the seating isn't comfortable. I don't know how people can even eat in those seats. Yep. Um, and second off, it, I, I just have this thing about disturbing other people when I'm trying to watch something. Like, it's just... Well, that's the whole point of the movie theater, and it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, because they're like, please be sure to turn off your phones, but listen to Honest Ed next to you just chow down on a chicken wing and slurp his fingers well, clean, honestly, like can go fuck himself oh jeez jesus christ why did <laughs> you why, why why did we have this conversation now i'm like just fuming <laughs> at people again <laughs> well you know what we we don't have to worry about it because in pandemic world i i'm sure vip actually is a really interesting solution because it's easier to distance in that but again even with the vip cinema we're looking at a premium product price tag so higher admission rates, less people means more money. 
And what's the tap out point in a world where a lot of people are on assisted income or have lost their job completely are going to be able to sit there and go either date or bring family to a movie theater. Like we're talking the movies become going to an NHL game. You know, it's like a a once a year kind of event. Yeah. It's got to be a hell of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bizarre thing for them to pursue. I don't know if it's the right thing, uh, but I understand that movie theaters are struggling, you know, the same as airlines, the same as cruise ships, the same as travel industry, like and restaurants, like everybody's impacted by this and everybody wants normality back really bad. But I don't think you'll catch the majority of people wanting to sit down and inhale someone else's cough. Mm. <laughs> nothing nothing tastes better than some COVID. But the reality also is, you know, when, when this pandemic hit, there were a lot of people, um, you know, and a lot of people smarter than I and you and me <laughs> who were talking about how, you know, hey, when, when the economy is trying to recover, things are going to be cheaper. You know, there's going to be less money around for us peasants and whatnot. But when you, when you actually sit down and think about it, and now what I'm seeing is a total different tune. You know, this whole conversation about theaters, they're going to be restricted to the number of audience. They're going to have mm-hmm. to probably retrofit some of these theaters to fit less people uh, comfortably. So Yeah, and protect their employees as well, exactly. right, from other so people. Operations costs are going to be going up. Yep. You know? So who knows what these companies are actually end up going to end up doing with higher operational costs. It'll be very interesting to see. And and the end at the end of the day, this is the brave new world that we are really in. But touching on this subject, Logan director James Mangold explained why movie theaters suck. Um, and he, essentially, what it comes down to is not so much the overall experience, but there's one particular part of the experience. And that's the most important part of the experience. And that's the actual quality of the movie itself. Not whether it's bad or good, but the actual viewing quality. So James Mangle is essentially saying, he gives a perfect example that he go he went to go watch a movie in his local theater. He was watching Ford versus Ferrari. And the movie that was playing in the theater before must have been a 3D movie. And they left the 3D movie lens on for a movie that's not meant to be uh, screened in 3D. And he said that it left, like, you know, different hues, different coloring. And he knew it was off, you know, being a director and being, you know, having that eye for for these sorts of things. So he's essentially yep. saying one shape, one crappy thing about the theaters now is that you have owners who don't know don't care don't understand and they're actually ruining the movie experience for for a lot of people whether you know it or you don't know it thoughts yeah and you know what if if you've ever i've had some terrible theater experiences where the film's washed out it's just it's really unwatchable and it turns me off. Like not only do you have what we talked about earlier with, with distractions in the crowd and people on their phones and all this other kind of environmental things happening, but you actually are paying top dollar to get a washed out film that maybe that 3d lens, that's something I hadn't considered is on and it's not a 3d movie. You know, I, I can't get too mad at the people in the theater, because I think they're probably getting close to minimum wage. It's not really a highly skilled or high high skill paying job, but there should be some form of oversight 
for the owners or, or the people who are fanatical it should be fanatical about film and not money and they should be ensuring that the people are trained you know that that they know to change those lenses and how to properly do it for the next audience exactly that and in my opinion that's just basic quality you know i bet you if this was like an amc or a cineplex type theater here in canada you know there's a uh corporate whatever number that you can call or whatever and they will make sure but you know but those those independent ones i'm sure that the this is another reason why independent mom pop places are always better you know these are people who are passionate about these things it's not just a job to them and not to disparage anyone who is passionate about movies working in these uh, larger corporations but you know it's 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 just different for people um but yeah like i've had some horrible movie experiences and for that very reason um and luckily it was for a shitty movie but you know yeah it's it's it just sucks because it does take away from the overall experience which again goes back to you know the art of cinema you know and watching it from home might not necessarily be how it was intended but this is where we're at now in the world where, you know, what else can you do? Like, you know, uh, it's a movie like 1917 or something. It's obviously meant to be in the huge screen, you know, with yeah. and whatnot. But but it's just, it's just not the world we live in anymore. No. Well, you know, what? it's part of the reason why I personally invested in a proper home theater setup, right? Like HDR TV, 4K 7.1 surround sound and you know the the kind of oomph to it that that will deliver the bass and whatnot but it's a commitment right and and you're always adjusting levels you're always adjusting refresh rates well not really the refresh rates that much but there's a lot of tweaking for each movie that you could potentially go through and you know it, it rewards that and makes me kind of interested uh, more than interested about how we go forward well, as we were talking about uh, just eliminating that theater from my life isn't a big stretch for me especially considering i think i went and saw force awakens quite a few times in the theater because i was just so excited to have star wars back and i'm telling you like the experiences were drastic depending on the theater that i was in i, I went to about four different theaters and saw it four different times and each time was massively different like two of the times really enjoyable but two of the times it just didn't fit the screen properly uh the blacks were washed out uh the environment wasn't properly lit or you know uh uh, the sound wasn't properly done whatever the situation is is when i go to a movie i want to see big sound big theater you know big screen big sound yep exactly most of those movies that we're all eagerly running to are those summer blockbusters mm-hmm. right yep it's tis the season if they were out but we demand that type of thing you know 40 years ago i think this year empire strikes back hit the theaters and i think a lot of it in the historical sense goes back to lucasfilm and the investment in like thx and and all these different technologies to to really up and there was a challenge back then, if I'm remembering my reading correctly, how how frustrated Lucas was with the idea of the theaters not being able to screen his movies correctly. Exactly. And that's just one example. I know that this has happened many times after that, where a creator is upset at how, you know, that 
theaters or so or whatever it's being distributed to they're not equipped to show their art the right way yeah you know at the end of the day these creators put in oftentimes their life into it their sweat and blood and tears into these creations for us and there's a specific vision that they've had you know in their mind for years upon years upon years before we get to actually see it so you know what we may consider eccentric what we may consider insane behavior there's a reason for that you know yeah and you you think of a guy like lucas I don't think that it came overnight, obviously, you know, like, like we're looking at a real evolution and I think the technological, uh, uh, high point for him didn't coincide, coincide with the, with the, uh, uh, actual artistic heights. And it's a challenge and a war that he's had to wage with his own money and his own content, uh, over the years. Exactly. Whether you agree with Lucas or not, and believe his his his, you know, I guess. Yeah, we some, could insert anybody, James Cameron. Yeah, like, what, George Lucas, James Cameron, Avatar sequels and the prequels of Star Wars are two perfect examples of this, or even Avatar in general, where you know they said the technology just wasn't there for it to come to life. So there's they don't want to do it until the technology is yeah. ready, and just because technology exists doesn't mean that it's cheap enough to produce. And I think that's something yeah. a lot of people forget. Just because something exists doesn't mean that it's cheap enough for it to be consumed just yet. And, and again, you look at the technology end of it, um, just watching the making of The Mandalorian and how they're utilizing these huge LCD screens for for background filler compared to before it would all be shot on green screen and then and then subbed in later and edited to no uh you know to no end in in a in an editing pod now we're looking at the fact that they can do visual like actual live visual effects on a screen behind the actors or create environments or just you know really have something reliable there to shoot against and to light against it's it's changing everything for tv and 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 home content and stuff like that because that's a that's getting more and more affordable i'm I'm pretty sure you know disney would say they spent a lot on those screens but i'm pretty sure they're going to get a lot of use out of them in their studio world well you know if you talk about in that context you know you're going to get a better performance of actors you know act in Mm -hmm. front of a green screen with things that don't actually exist versus you have a point of reference that you can actually act to and and feed off of you know, one yeah. thing that makes this podcast actually work, in my opinion, this incarnation of it is the fact that, you know, while we are in different locations, you know, we have a webcam. We can see each other. Yep. We can take cues off each other. We know when, for the most part, not to talk over the other person. We know, you know, when to speak, when not to speak, when to, you know, drive home a point versus when to shut the fuck up. So, you know, it, it's different because... I've done podcasts in the, in, in the past, and I've done phone interviews, and sometimes it's hard to get those cues and know when to jump in. And, you know, as you're trying to think of something, you know, there could be dead air or something. And not to say that there isn't right now, but it's very different. <laughs> I get that yeah. point of reference, you know, as opposed yeah. to, you know, Star Wars, when the prequels were being filmed, you know, we've oh, seen those behind goodness. the 
those behind the scenes um, um, yeah. uh, specials and documentaries, and they everyone just looks absolutely ridiculous, which led to absolutely ridiculous performances. Not to say yeah. the writing was great. But, you know, again, with new technology, everyone was like on the spot learning and on the spot creating this. Um, So it's interesting to always see this. And over time, just to reinforce your visual cue, though, I I saw on the the Disney gallery this week when they were talking about working on the Mandalorian, working on off of him opposite of him was incredibly difficult for the actors because they had no eyes to look in they couldn't read the actor right like what a challenge he's got this facade on that you really have to listen to his words you really have to take your focus as an actor to a whole different level something i never really considered you know i look at it and go oh man he looks so cool with that crap on Mm -hmm. you know and that man their job is that much tougher right yep yep so we're going to talk about the Mandalorian a little bit, but okay. I want to continue our conversation about creators and creators' mm-hmm. visions. There's been a lot of things in the news lately, a lot of articles in the news about creators getting a little more upset with the companies that they worked for at the time of their creation. You know, uh, like them, hate them, despise them, loathe them, whatever. Rob Liefeld, very outspoken individual about uh, Deadpool. He has his vision. He has sort of his, uh, I guess, you know, um, vision. I know I've just repeated myself. Yeah, he he, he has his his imagination. He has this perfect performance or perfect usage of the character in mind, right? Like he's got his ideals. And and, and clearly, you know, he makes them really well known. Uh, This week, earlier this week, he went on a rant against Disney about the Deadpool character and how it's not in the MCU phase and he was just shitting on Disney for lack of a better term um, and really like digging it to Disney you know there's a lot of things you can say about that but the mm-hmm. point I'm trying to make right now is that you know he clearly has this vision and where he wants his character to be but he doesn't technically own the character anymore yes he was a yeah. creator for of it and yes he's being credited as a creator of it but he doesn't own the character per se. You know, we have another example here, Black Lightning. Uh, We have uh, one of the creators, Tony Isabella, who just shat on DC about a core component of the character that they created. Uh, And it, you know, he sent a uh, a very scathing uh, Facebook post, social media post, basically saying, fuck DC Comics and everyone involved in their rancid Batman and the Outsiders book, Isabella said. Anyone who understands Jefferson Pierce knows Lynn is his one true love. Their vision, their, you know, where they want this character to end up being, what, uh, you know, fuels this character is known to them, but through time and, you know, because they, someone else owns it now, they can do whatever they want with the characters. This is sort of back to the conversations of, you know, when DC and Marvel pissed off a lot of creators and then these creators started a independent company known as Image, you know, so... What I want to know from you, Phil, is mm-hmm. are these creators justified in making these remarks about characters that they, yes, created, but don't own? I think they're justified in the thought, but I don't know that they're justified in the expression, if that makes any sense. Because I don't think it's fair to fan bases around the world to really make them choose between what version do i just stick with the old content that was the pure dc or 
Marvel or whatever experience and not enjoy the new stuff. Because honestly, they entered that arrangement, they took the paycheck, and they sold the intellectual rights. And those rights got forwarded on to whoever owns them now, and it's theirs to do with as they please. Unfortunately, you know, the only way to circumvent that is to keep ownership of your own product. Right. You can't do the team up. Like, look at again, you know, I, I draw on this well, but George Lucas owned Star Wars. He never sold it. He distributed it with different companies. He did all kinds of stuff, but he basically maintained a lot of the rights in order to be able to film the prequels and to do the things that he wanted to do to his own properties and change them. You know, Greedo. All of a sudden, shoots first. Hand didn't shoot first. This is that argument encapsulated right now in popular in, in the comic book world, which is really the huge genre for money making for so many people right now. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think they have a leg to stand on, and all they can do is gripe. And I feel bad for them because I really do love their creations. But I also look forward to enjoying the characters in whatever form and if i don't then i'm gonna stop watching it yeah you know that that's the ultimate consumer decision exactly like i wonder what bob kane would have said throughout the years of seeing the various incarnations of batman you know Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it took how long for him to even get any credit that he was a creator of batman you know the, the creators of superman superman same issue you know it's they created these characters and sold these characters off to dc to marvel to whomever and you know they just kind of were part of the process ish but they didn't have the final say for the most part as you know as soon as they left that creative uh you know team uh for the for the books you know stan lee was lucky enough to maintain enough credit um but he wasn't you know sitting down next to um whomever while while they were drawing x-men and spider-man and various other you know creation of his characters and you know fantastic four and blah 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 blah. we can go on and on you know just look at look at x-men and then you look at chris claremont and the way that he wrote it in the you know the 80s or the 90s and some of the impactful storytelling that's still surfacing today in the x-men themes and whatnot but there's different writers. They take different takes on the characters. They change them. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Green Lantern, I think now he's gay. I'm not sure. But, you know, like, there are decisions that they make in in the world to make the characters more approachable to fan bases. And wow. like it or lump it, you know, the world changes. Yep. like that. And when you sign that paycheck, when you take that money, you've sold that property. You know, like like... I'm sure there's no buybacks. You know, I think Jim Henson had a heck of a time buying back some of his stuff yep. from distributors just and so he could control it, just so it it wouldn't be lost. And we're talking about, you know, these, these, these characters that we can relate to, but this expands to more than just comic books and TV and whatnot. Like, really, let's take a look at tech companies. You know, I worked mm-hmm. for BlackBerry for the longest time. I made some cool shit at BlackBerry. I, quote unquote, created some stuff at BlackBerry. But I can't go around saying that I technically created that stuff because the IP was for BlackBerry. You know, I knew going yep. into that job that anything I made 
I wasn't going to profit off of in the, in the grand scheme of things. They were, you know. So yep. you know, it's kind of the same thing to a certain extent. I know it's different, but it's kind of not. Uh, yeah. So it's, one's it's, art and one's a, a thing, right? But yeah. the thing the, is, is that we're all in that servitude. Like we're all forced into that by these contracts exactly. and whatnot. That's part of life, right? and that's the beauty of a company like Image. Um, you know, or if you have the balls and the resources to go self-publishing, but an image, you know, having the creator own books and you have the say and you're essentially distributing it by yourself with the image, you know, symbol on it. Well, but, even, you know, even in new market here, Steve Gilbert self-publishes out of his, he owns a store, yes. fourth dimension comics, yep. and he, he self-publishes his work. And, you know, I support him whenever i can because because of that you know it's it's a great it's a great time for that and i think more so now than ever artists can't explore that but it it, it costs a lot too right like there's no getting around that when you see that paycheck coming you might want to take it exactly that's the thing you know we don't you don't know what 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 position some of these people were in you know so unfortunately they kind of gave away these creations and I see where they're coming from, where they're upset because their vision, their work, their, you know, what came out of their imagination, um, you know, uh, was changed from the fundamental core of it. But, you know, unfortunately, these companies own it. Now, whether you choose as a consumer to like it, to consume it, to tell it the fuck off, that is your choice as the consumer. Yep. And and you shouldn't be afraid to exercise that right too, you know, and you can complain on social media or do, do however you feel the feedback process should go to the actual rights owners. Maybe if they see enough people drop off, they reincarnate it or bring it back in it in in its more satisfying form, right? It's a possibility and nothing's ever, you know, final with these, with these studios, but it's hard to live in the past. Because then you're never getting new content for the future or you're having to look out for other stuff all the time in order to appease you at that moment. Well, this is a fundamental issue with comics in general. And I think that, you know, as someone myself who I've been collecting comics or, you know, yeah, I've been collecting comics since I can remember. Uh, and, And then, you know, at some point, you can only tell so many stories. You want something new. So DC, Marvel, whomever is going to change something in these characters and people are going to be all up in arms, you know, because it changes the, the, the core of what you thought the character should be. Um, you know, I think a perfect example of this is the entire new 52, uh, you know, um, sort of, uh, series that they, that DC did in 2011. <laughs> they essentially rewrote intelligently via canon, rewrote every single character that they had. Batman, Superman. Some stories were accepted. Some stories like Superman were really not truly accepted because they essentially, they, you know, blank slate. We're starting over. This is day one. This is the new, you know, the new normal type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I fully understand because even I, I I got caught up with some of these changes to some of the characters. It's like, hey, why this is a fundamental change? But again, you know, they can only rewrite so many stories. And you know, it did turn me off. Some books did turn me off. Some books I told to fuck off and i never read them again but there were some cool new ideas like 
a lot of awesome concepts came out of Batman. Scott Snyder did a great job with Batman with the Court of Owls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I will as much as I like some of the stories, it was a little different. Like for example, the whole Zero Day stuff and and you know how Batman became Batman was fundamentally the same. But some of his earlier stories were rewritten and encapsulated a lot of other characters. Some characters in the timeline just didn't flat out make sense because they tried to fit everything in a five-year timeline. And there was a lot of shit that happened in five years. Uh, So DC kind of screwed themselves. But it goes back to my whole point of sometimes, you know, change is needed, change is required. Um, You know, these companies are trying to maintain to a old medium that Mm. may or may not be surviving especially in this brave new world as we keep talking uh so it it, it's it's interesting to see how consumers react and i'm in the middle i'm torn i'm overall torn about this entire subject you know i you know i i think marvel is a perfect example they are trying to introduce you know more diversity Mm -hmm. and then there's there's a huge debate as to how they should do this a lot of people are are, you know on the side of don't touch my characters other people are hey these characters should be more diverse so you have a lot of controversy like female thor you know or changing the skin color of a character or changing the sex of another character or something or whatever or their sexuality whatever right you know and again it's kind of like are they forcing it are they shoehorning it in should they be doing these two existing characters or should creators try creating new characters so that they can introduce these things? You know, there's, there's a lot of ways to debate this. And actually I, we will be talking about this because I do want to t- explore this subject a lot more. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to introduce it right now. And, you know, is change good? Is change bad? How do we do change, you know, in this ever evolving world of, of comic books where you can only tell so many stories at any given time? It's opportunity, right? And uh, you, you take a, a more casual superhero fan like myself. Like, I'm very devoted to the movies and whatnot and, and consuming them that way. I, I'm an old school reader, things like that. But there's some characters that I'm getting reintroduced to or introduced for the first time through these movies. Yeah. I don't know any different from uh, to take issue with them in some cases. Like, I don't think I really paid any attention to Captain Marvel. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed what they did with the character. I enjoyed what they did in Endgame with all the women kind of teaming up. And you know why I enjoyed that? It's because I've never seen it before. And I thought, it's kind of nice that it just exists because I could see that actually existing. In a world where people can fly and shit like that happens, I could see that that that's something that might happen in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that they actually dedicated the film time to recognize that. I think that there is a line, though, where they could go too far. Yes. And that, that's a concern, where it s- starts to feel uh, inorganic or unauthentic. Endgame tested that line for me. I think overall I choose to see it as a very positive and progressive move to, to do that female shout-out. But I, I, I can understand some people thinking that maybe it was a little too contrived. You know what I mean? It, it it just hit a beat that seemed to be about a, a social, political commentary more than anything. But that's what film's for. 
So you know, that's me, what me, comic books are for, is they're meant to push those ideas. So let me ask you this, you know, in, in the same vein of what we're talking about. What if in 15, you know, 20 years down the line, uh, assuming that you and I are still kicking and we turn on the Internet, turn on the Internet, go on the Internet. And, uh, you know, there's a new reboot of Star Wars, you know, featuring, uh, you know, Nancy Skywalker and and, and Princess uh, yeah. uh, Luke or something like that you know how would you feel as a fan I, the the only thing i could really liken it to would be the solo movie because <laughs> i think that was yeah that was a, a a kind of a swipe at that from from disney and i found that that to be honest uh i found it to be a completely unnecessary experience for me um however I did enjoy some of the insights and some of the action that it offered. It's fun to see the universe live on in whatever form. And like I say, if I don't enjoy it, I'm not going to watch it. I'll, I've got the movies and I'll put them, the old movies back on, you know, and watch them that way. But at the same time, how many times can I watch that movie? I do want to see further content. If they want to reimagine it, I might not be the biggest fan of it, but it's going to make new fans and that's where my focus always is is that you know for these ips to really become successful and and to be generational like we we would all want them to be you have to you have to take them back it's just like the video game industry how many times can they make the same bloody video game over and over again because they just run out of ideas and they don't even pretend anymore they're just like no we've redone it another time in HD and this, that, and the other thing. They're not even trying to create content anymore. That's Call of so, Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, exactly. FIFA. Any edition. <laughs> Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, which this week <laughs> yeah. they announced that they were re <laughs> HDing and, uh, and, and re-releasing Tony Hawk's Skaters Pro 1 and 2. The soundtrack's already on Spotify. You know, and, and just to your point, you know, there it's just a rehash of everything. Do we, are we in a world where nostalgia is so profound that we need these things that no one can come up with a new idea that they just, you know, HDFIs, <laughs> remaster, yeah. and, and, and re-release the exact same thing. But I, I, you know, I'm okay with some of the re-releases. Like if they want to re-release an 80s movie in a 4K, I'm okay with that because they're, they're by and large, they're not tampering with the original content, the original themes and materials. However, if they're going to reboot it, it has to be touched with the right hands, right? You need you need the authenticity to to make it effective. I, I would draw that onto look at Dark Crystal again, forty years old. Mm -hmm. Fan base sits there and puts a lot of stuff on paper, you know, whether it be comic book, book, whatever. Um, good on them for thriving as a community. However, you get to what Netflix did. They did it right because they went out and they got Jim's kids. They got the credibility. They brought back the designers. They did all that and they stayed true to it. So it's not nostalgic. It's new content that has a nostalgic feel. That is what I would like to encourage these companies to do because it's a really slippery slope when you do it from a boardroom. And you do it from a bunch of suits, no offense to the suits, but you fuck shit up when you go in there and you edit by committee 
and you start, well, I think that really the story shouldn't follow this way because it's going to offend too many people. No, that's the story. And let the creator tell the story. All right? You, you committed your movie, your resources to making the movie. Now let them make it. If, if it goes beyond the line, define what the lines are and then, and then sign the contracts. Don't, don't try and wrangle the content away from people and, and try to force and shoehorn, you know, what we all fear when, when the Disneyfication of Star Wars and any property they purchase, right? Yeah, I, I feel like that, you know, wait, wait, you, those voices you made, that must have sounded exactly what Captain Kennedy's meeting sounded like. Uh, while they yeah. were trying to work with Ryan Johnson, you know, the, the, yeah, you know, or even even in in Rogue One, like they had director change in that. You look at Solo, Lord and Miller off of it, and, and yeah. uh, oh, it's it's just it's just maddening from a fan standpoint. And it, I know Kathleen Kennedy, to her credit, she's very successful as a producer. She's a great producer. I just don't really enjoy her creative ideas. And they should be left to the creators, right? And I, I think Marvel are on a dangerous slope for that as well. You know, it, it's it's a scary trend, but come up with a big plan, come up with a big picture kind of idea and, and involve the people that you have available. You know, the Dave Filoni's, even the George Lucas's, but, you know, I'll go back to the Henson's, the Henson family. Safeguard, have some dignity when dealing with these properties and they will they will survive they will be reliable for you in their content i for one can't understand why disney plus doesn't even come out with all of the seasons of the muppet show because they own them <laughs> it's it, it's just bizarre bizarre things how they they strategically manipulate these properties well, it's the perfect thing of a media company owning so much, or not a media company, just a company owning so much that they can literally rewrite history. You know, the World Wrestling Federation, Entertainment, WWE, they are notorious at doing this, and it's fantastic that you just brought that up. You know, one thing within the internet wrestling community that always comes up is how Vince McMahon rewrites history. You know, he mm -hmm. a perfect example of that was the change of WWF to WWE. Back in 2001, World Wildlife Fund sued World Wrestling Federation for the name. And World Wildlife Fund actually won. So Vince McMahon was forced to change the name to WWE. Fast forward to 2020, when they are retelling the Ruthless Aggression era. You know, they are trying mm -hmm. to sell it as they wanted to... Appease a new generation of fans. They wanted to, you know, bring in a new creative direction for their product. So they changed the name from WWF to WWE. Just rewriting history. And why can't they actually do this? Because they owned video libraries of all of their competitors at the time. So they can do whatever the fuck they want with history and literally spew it out years later and regurgitate it to their liking. You know? Uh, yep. There's there's myths about WrestleMania attendances. WrestleMania three. How many people did it actually have? How many did you know? And this and that. But they own it. They own everything at the time that was out. So they can do this. So it's fantastic yep. that you just brought up the Muppets and all these other um, franchises because Disney and these companies are doing just that. They are tweaking it to 
change it and make it their own and and yep. and essentially discrediting anything that ever came before you know it's kind of like ted rogers putting up a fucking statue of himself outside of the sky dome yeah exactly you didn't and fucking start this team <laughs> yeah it had nothing to do with it right it, it's it's just people with money and 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 history is written by the victors right and that's what we're seeing with these huge corporations just gobbling up properties and and trying to financially uh stranglehold creator content and whatnot and being able to exactly like you say restructure a fandom exactly and it, it's an attempt to to exert control over people because the more they can control them the more they can control their money right <laughs> in the cynical world me <laughs> that's where i land on that <laughs> But you're not far from what I think is the truth. Maybe you and I are just like these crazy whatever. Um, and are, you know. We're going into conspiracy theory here, but it, it's just maddening from a consumer point of view, I guess, with the nostalgia rift that, that these companies play on us. Yeah. I, I, You know, there's some that I, I look at it and I go, I'm loyal to it because I know it's authentic. And then there's some that I bitterly hate myself for participating in because i know that it's just going to reinforce some jackass's idea about the product you know some some guy at a table or girl or whoever in a in a suit that's probably cost more than my house sitting there and just going well you know well, we think that we can manipulate this age group by exploiting this aspect of the franchise <laughs> It's it's not a nice place to be as a fan, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, but it, there's only a thousand of them made. It kind of taints taints your childhood to a certain extent. You know your your memories of what actually happened and what why you actually liked it. It really puts a sour <laughs> note on those things. It does, but at the same time, I gotta say, as an adult, I grew up on Fraggle Rock, right? As mm -hmm. a kid. And watching those shows as an adult is absolutely mind blowing in the in the sense that some of it was just terrible. Well, of course, <laughs> but my kid mind interpreted it so much differently. There are some things that should be left in the past as far as your memories. You know, you, you can collect and and do what you want to with the franchise in the future, but maybe maybe trying to do a marathon of some some shows might not be the best idea. <laughs> Just like ex-wives and ex-girlfriends, just store them in a box and leave them alone. Exactly. That's, the memories, not dumb. They're, you know, they're no. physical. <laughs> well, that, that got really dark. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said the purge was delayed. <laughs> no, this isn't. No, I'm not even. Nope. Not even going to touch this subject right now. Yeah, I tried to bait you there. <laughs> not even going there. Not even going there. Anyways, no. speaking of reboots, Scarface is rebooting itself. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> you think you just want my old man commentary on this, but... What are your please, thoughts, Phil? Leave it alone. I, I don't know. I say that, and goodness knows it could be awesome. Like, like there's opportunities for... It won't for be! It won't be! <laughs> I can't see how Scarface. it will be, but I'm just, you know... I turn on TV sometimes and I see reboots of Lethal Weapon and Magnum PI and stuff, and I'm like, why? And it, you try to watch it, and it, it's deviated so far from 
everything. And I guess this gets back to your point about manipulation of character. Sometimes it just doesn't work. I make the choice as the consumer to not watch that crap. <laughs> but, <laughs> the, you know, my niece is watching this and she's just like, oh, we're checking this out. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's not the same actors and it's not the same characters and it's not. But that's but the thing, right? I think it's reimagined. That is exactly it right there is your niece is watching it now. Yeah. So your niece never watched the originals, correct? Correct. So yeah, for her, this is something new. You know, this is what it actually is for, you know, <laughs> for God's sake. But you, as being an old man, you remember the originals and it hurts your soul. You know, it, it's is, like, it is frustrating sometimes to see the new Ferrari that Magnum drives or. You know, <laughs> There, there are there are just the superficial things, but I know it goes a lot deeper. It goes down to character and choices, and you know, like we talked about with all these different, you know, they're modernizing the characters and to reflect the values of the audiences today. And that's all well and good. I just wish that they didn't have to adopt the names identically from the original source material, you know, and call it Magnum PI or call it Lethal Weapon. What happened to the good old days of just taking a show, completely doing the exact same thing, but making enough changes that you can get away with a new title? Yeah, exactly. You know, can can you imagine when Knight Rider finally comes on and it's just a Tesla? For fuck's sake. (laughs) Hello, Boris. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to your Knight Rider experience. Like, I, I just... Didn't they try to reboot that a few years ago? I, they might have. I, you know, I'm I'm pulling for Blue Thunder, but I, I don't know. <laughs> How many weird things can we pull out of our past here? Baywatch? <laughs> I'll bet you you don't even know what Blue Thunder is. Nope, I do not. It's a helicopter show. <laughs> there is a whole Airwolf Blue Thunder thing that happened. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I think they tried to reboot Airwolf a while ago. I might be wrong on that. I should get, like, current content and look at it but yeah maybe i'm guilty of of living in the past more than i thought <laughs> <laughs> and you're noticing this right now when we're done recording you're just gonna like be depressed and drink <laughs> yeah it's um well you know I'll, I'll bring it i'll circle it back to jim henson it is the 30th anniversary of his passing today so maybe that had happened anyway i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, I forgot about that. Ah, it's no worries. Yeah, so, and then there's, you know, so there's reboots, and then there's sequels that shouldn't happen. Avatar mm-hmm. 2 is ready. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, probably, are already filmed and just about ready. Uh, I completely forgot of okay. this existence. I completely forgot that Avatar was a thing. It's a movie yeah. I only watched once and barely got through it. And I'm tr- <laughs> now I'm sounding like an internet freaking keyboard yeah, warrior you're a troll man look i just it was an okay movie and i think this is a perfect example of what i said about changing enough to make it its own thing but you know we've seen this this story this trope so many times of avatar and what you know what it basically was like pocahontas or you know um uh, all those types of movies you know just think and, disney owns it now like yeah. how perfect is that uh, for the argument of the disnification of things. But 
yeah, yeah, it, it should be left alone. But you know what's funny, though, is that you have a property like Alita Battle Angel that's struggling to get a sequel and is probably more worthy of a sequel than Avatar was, in my fan opinion. I enjoyed Alita Battle Angel far more. Not that Avatar was bad. It, it did music and film big, you know, mm -hmm. and, and great. Um, but I enjoyed Alita Battle Angel, and I watched it, and I was quite surprised. You know, Robert Rodriguez and, and just some of yeah. the talent and the technology in there. Uh, it, it was great, and I, I'm, I'm hungry for a sequel on that. And, yeah. you know... The, the studios like, are going to talk about Avatar 2 and 3 and 4 and all this stuff. Yep, exactly. It's just crazy. Like It's just funny to see. And it's just where wherever the money is at, I guess, that's what's going to get a sequel nowadays. It, it just really doesn't matter. And it's no surprise that it is going to get a sequel, I guess. But uh, here we are. Yeah, I right. think James Cameron always like wanted a sequel to it. I, I don't know how well it left off i i it's a foggy enough memory for me mm -hmm. um story-wise but you know i think the intent was always there so i'm not gonna try and take away from that you know and just say that there's a corporate table that's sitting there i think james cameron is probably very protective over the art and yeah. whatnot but uh to his credit and he is <laughs> like you know go, all things Aside, my personal opinion on the on the movie and the series, you know, from a technology point of view, it's it's a stunning movie to watch, and mm -hmm. you know, James Cameron again, a perfect example, you know, the technology just wasn't there for sequels, you know, so mm -hmm. this is why we've waited 80, 10, 11 years for it. Uh, so it's just interesting to kind of see and and get on him, whatever, you know, everyone needs a paycheck, so you do you, pal, you do you. Yeah, it's not like it wasn't, you know, absolutely it's, massive. <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna change my life regardless. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. But uh, you know, just that whole thing about sequels, reboots, remakes, whatever, to each their own. Uh, yep. Star Wars, Mandalorian, oh. season two. Uh seems like they've finished filming probably before the world starts. It's weird though, because they, they announced today Timothy Oliphant. Yep. To the cast. So I'm assuming that's going to be a voice. Yeah, I'm you assuming know, like as well. Nick Nolte. Because um, as far as I know, practical shooting is done. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're doing effects and, and post-production stuff. Um, you know, I'm sure they're working hard to get that out as quickly as possible. But they did confirm that they're going to make their October commitment yep. for it. And, you know, I was watching that Disney gallery show last night as i mentioned earlier and there was a tell from john favreau that the um here's a spoiler all right spoiler alert <laughs> in the first series remember you and i had a big discussion about the jangles the the spurs yeah and which character that was and he specifically mentioned that 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 being one of the telling characteristics of Boba Fett's screen time. So that all but told me that that was Boba Fett in that episode. Because oh, yeah. those jangles were there, right? Like that, yeah. that that noise, that distinctive noise whenever Boba Fett moves, it's there. And I run back and watch some of the Boba Fett scenes and yeah, it's interesting. But for them to be cognizant and bring it up in those interviews, those mm -hmm. post-interviews, 
means that that's when they're doing the heat for number two. And obviously, we know all those other casting announcements with um, the guy who originally played Boba F- uh, Jango Fett and whatnot. That opens up the possibility of Rex and other clones being present in the Mandalorian. And we know that there's Ahsoka rumors. We know that there's... Bo-Katan. Yeah, there's there's just so much nostalgia being thrown at us in that in that show, and the the hot rumor is that there's only going to be one episode with with certain characters in it, and it's going to be used to launch a new sequel to Rebels. So Rebels Two is yeah. what the fan base is tentatively calling it right now. Well, if you see the characters that are involved, it makes sense to me, um, but we'll see. Uh, so you know. I've seen a lot of people complaining about these casting, quote-unquote, announcements. A lot Mm -hmm. of people are upset that, you know, they've essentially guaranteed that Bubba Fett is coming back. A lot of people are upset that they know that, um, you know, Bo-Katan is probably going to be in this season. Uh, Also played by Katie Sackhoff, by the way. Yeah. Um, That's that casting. Um, and, and, And all these characters, you know, there's a lot of people upset that they're essentially spoiling the season for them. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? It is it is a little bit alarming that way. Um, but at the same time, you know, when they announced the relaunch of Clone Wars, they, they showed the clone helmet with Ahsoka's paint job on it. Yeah. And when I saw that, in the promo material or, you know, especially specific for the episode where they showed it, the first one, I I got the chills down the spine because I was like, well, what a great honor to her and, and things like that. And I forgot about the the pre-press crap, right? Mm-hmm. I, I It completely slipped my mind at that point because there's so many other things to distract us. So maybe this is one of those cases where we know that these casting choices have been made. It heavily indicates our ideas towards a very specific direction as far as who, who they could represent. But maybe we end up, when we see it, we talk about the performance and the joy that it brings us versus the spoiler-ish, because we don't know how they're going to be reintroduced. We don't know how long they're going to be used in these seasons. Are, are they... Are they characters that will have a longevity in it, or are we going to get to see closure with them? There's a lot of different things that that Disney can do here. Or and if Disney really wants to keep a secret, they can keep a secret. Baby Yoda, yeah. for example, you know? John yeah. Favreau just said, hey, the first episode is going to reshape the way that you see the Star Wars universe. Um, yeah. You know? Hashtag spoiler alert. So, yeah. but... You know, then we saw Baby Yoda, and I remember watching that episode when it debuted, and I said, holy fuck, that's insane. Uh, So, you know, if Disney really wanted to keep a secret, they can. I feel like they're making these announcements so that people see that Disney is doing a mea culpa, (laughs) to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. uh, with Star Wars. uh, Obviously, you know, during these... The pandemic, trying to keep people, um, I guess, excited for the new season. Well, yeah, just look at the Disney Gallery series once a week, you know, on yeah. the heels of, of Clone Wars and things like that. I think they're they're trying to keep that, that candle lit during the storm that we obviously know is happening 
at at those writers tables or those those yeah. corporate levels uh, with Disney and and obviously their dissatisfaction after investing so many must be billions of dollars into the uh, theme parks which yeah. are closed right now <laughs> that, that type of thing uh, I don't put it past them and I don't blame them for it you know yeah. they we want to stay engaged we want to stay hopeful you have to you know do something and uh, as it spoils it a little bit i i will concede that but i don't know how it's going to be done and that's been the joy in watching i knew that there was going to be an ig88 character in the first one because that was the early imagery that they were teasing yep it didn't mean that it diminished my enjoyment of the ig11 or whatever it was in in the actual series i yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the character arc and the interactions and and everything about that character was a pure joy to watch and and be able to see it uh, move on screen after being so stoically placed in empire strikes back in my mind <laughs> right yeah so. yeah and i think we're just in the you know in in uh, in i guess this this fandom that people just want to know more you know when there are fucking teaser trailers a trailer for your fucking trailer now you yeah. know like we it, 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 you can't deny the fact that people want to see shit so i think these little amount announcements are just trying to appease that for some people and there's nothing wrong with just not looking at it not watching that trailer not reading that article hey stay off social media for a couple of days hey yeah it's easy uh, to avoid. Like to a it, extent. it really is to, to a, a certain, certain extent. extent. Yeah. You know, then you have as I'm preparing for the show, you know, is the Mandalorian's ex character actually Bo Katan? And I'm like, fuck you. If it is, fuck you guys. Fuck you, comicbook.com. You know? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there's credibility at stake. There's the disenfranchised are already disenfranchised. I, I don't know that these shows do much in terms of luring back people who don't want to consume it, that don't want to watch it. Yeah, exactly. The disenfranchised are going to be the disenfranchised. They're done with these things. What can you do? Um, but yeah, so, you know, we're trying to keep hype. Are they revealing too much? Quite possibly. But, you know, they are trying to still, you know, capitalize where they can capitalize. Maybe that person who hasn't seen The Mandalorian Season 1 or subscribed to Disney Plus yet remembers these characters from the prequels or from the Clone Wars, you know, and this is going to get them to sign up. You know, there's, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of strategy, you know, the way we consume content, the way that we, you know, seem to live in a world where we can't be sur- or don't want to be surprised anymore. All of this goes into play, you know, and it's just not necessarily everyone's cup of tea, but what can you really do? You know, you can avoid things as best you can. You can, um, you know, read it if you want. You can not read it if you want. At the end of the day, it's a no win for it's a no win for for corporations like Disney. Right. It's yeah. You know, they they can't keep everybody happy. The, The point is, is that. It's not going to ruin any of our experience, I don't think. Otherwise, it would be kept from us. It would be more secretive, like you pointed out. And, you know, uh, I think the casual base is really where they're targeting a lot of mining. And I think it's where Marvel kind of attracts a heck of a lot of attention. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not... 
People don't need to go out and live their life as a fanatic of this stuff. It's great that people do. But people, by and large, just want to go see a movie and be entertained and have lots of explosions and escape. Right? And that's Star Wars. That's a Marvel movie. That's a DC movie. That's anything. You can choose your flavor. And and it's there for you now, which is a great accomplishment for the world, uh, by and large. Yep, exactly. That's the final word on that subject. So, yeah, we've, we've talked a lot this week about various subjects. You know, we can keep on talking about stuff, but I do want to jump into video games for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Because I want to see if you have been able to watch the PS5 teaser, I guess, for their video yeah. engine. Well, I guess I guess uh, I watched Microsoft and Ubisoft try and pretend that they had a play demo for their Xbox, the new one, and fans called them out on it. So I thought it was pretty funny that PlayStation, like Sony, just zip right in there and with Epic produce this demo for the PS5 and air it out there. And yeah. it looked breathtaking. Like, it, honestly, it was overwhelming. And when you start taking into all the technical stuff that, it, you know, the, the way it was real-time rendered and everything like that, yeah. that they're, they're saying. But at the same time, I don't know how many times I get excited for a console launch. All right? It's an observable fact from PlayStation to Sega, Nintendo whatever playstation one two three four i get excited and then the first wave of games are shit there's a real lack on the developer side to know the equipment even though they do these pre-releases and everything like that but they basically just pound out cinematic bullshit you know that isn't even properly vetted or or done to the degree that when you put in a game like just for example god of war or something like that. That's just so refined and executes mm-hmm. so well in the graphics and the story and the voice acting and all those things that AAA titles kind of have to bring to the table. Yeah. I just find that, you know, the first waves of games. So I look at that epic trailer and I go, man, that looks great, but what's the game? You know, and, and that's that's where Sony or, you know, they're, they're pandering to capitalize on of course microsoft's mistake of course and good for them and, but- and that's the thing like you know typically in development as you're developing a new product you have partners these software developers you rely on them you obviously want them to make uh content in games for your new system so you send them whatever you can early specs hardware specs AP, connecting APIs, anything possible for them to yeah. kind of make the best content available for that system so that you can get the best out of the hardware software. But there's just so many moving pieces and it's to be expected. You know, it's, it's just oh, everything is new. Everything's being rewritten. Everything's being written from scratch. So these things that come out right away necessarily aren't the best. Typically, it's a lot of games that were slated to go out for the previous generation, but they decided to upgrade something at the last minute. So the releases, af- you know, at first aren't the best. There's like one or two marquee releases that do show off what the new system gives you overall. Uh, mm. But it's typically not the best of times until 
developers get the time to catch up and actually see what the specs are, what the APIs give you and things like that. So, you know, again, but we're suckers. So we are going to go out and get those <laughs> systems day one, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's the conversation I have every time. Well, I'm not going to go out on launch day and get that. I'm just not going to do it. Well, I can tell you it's going to be on launch day or shortly thereafter that I've got cold cash in hand and I'm looking to get the bloody thing. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it, we all are guilty of it. You know, we all can go back to the internet and complain or wherever we, we choose to, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting retrospectively to always evaluate the progression of a console and see them scale it up and see them get the most out of the machines because yeah. I, I, I you know the PS3 was on point when it switched to the PS4 and we, we got a lot of weird games, the order and things like that and not to take anything away from the people who collaborated and worked on those types yeah. of, of titles but they just didn't have a high gameplay value yeah, in them exactly it, it deviates a lot from you know the attitude of nintendo which i think might be the one company that doesn't disappoint too often i guess the wii u was a little bit of a of a of a failed enterprise as far as the mainstream but uh, retrospectively looking at the switch hey they were on something right it's it's just implementation, but their their titles and everything like that, and the development, yeah. keeping it in house speaks a lot to it. Exactly, you know. Eh, at the end of the day, I'm a sucker. You're a sucker. We're all suckers. But you know, this yeah. is this is the game. You know, there's a business. There's a business, and these companies typically they've proven that they are not after us. They know they're going to get our money. They're after the new consumer. They're after the new people. They're after, you know, those 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 Xbox people who swore off PlayStation and they try to want to get them back or the new gamer or, you know, the parents, the sucker parents. There's, But they're not going after hey, us. My brother is talking about getting the new Xbox because he's going to be able to play his old 360 games on it. I had to have a conversation with him about that. There you and go. How, how that happened on Xbox One. But, you know, if you go to any EB Games or GameStop, Best Buy, whatever your big package retailer is, you yep. go in in that time of year, Christmas, yep. and you look at the types of sales. It's older parents walking in and just saying, my kid won't shut up about X title. Mm -hmm. I need the console. I need the game. Yep. Get it for me. Yeah. And like, let's not kid ourselves. That's who's wielding the the kids' money and the kids' interest. Yeah, and those those retailers eat that up. Of course, and as they should, as they right? should, exactly. It's and that's, marketing at its best. And that's one of the things that we need to remember. You know, as we consume, as also as we talk about this, as we are keyboard warriors and trolls about all this, they're not gearing these things towards us they're not gearing you know these theaters the experience to people like us who are always going to go more me than you but the general us <laughs> you know they're not gearing the characters of star wars and the new characters of star wars and new stories to people like me and you for the most part they want to respect yep. us but they want the new consumer the new systems yep. they want the new consumers you know we're they suckers. need the excitement yeah they need the excitement right that's what it all thrives off Having of and excitement you, equals money and you can't forget about us but exactly you need the excitement you need something new you need to build up that hype hype is a hell of a thing you know yeah. what's going to give you hype announcing castings you know 
it's this is the, the the grand scheme of things, and that's yep. sort of the the point of today's podcast is the hype machine, and who do these people actually gear stuff towards, us or the new person? I'm getting through this conversation that it's all about the new people. It's all about yeah. the new consumers. Having said that, I still think that they respect us to a certain extent. You know? They try to. Yeah. They try to. I, I think it's all about the casual. Exactly. You look at the Marvel Marvel Universe, it's all about the casual. And there's going to be all kinds of divided fan bases on all that content. And the same with Star Wars. The same with any of these major properties. Unless it was an in-house developed kids yep. marketed thing like frozen or whatever that they take from the ground up exactly so you look at all that and you go hey you know what like good on them like it, it, it's getting more people to talk about it yep. which we all win from because the point is is that that's why you know people listen to rants and raves like this because they want to be more involved with those titles they want to be they want to they get to know Part of it, and that's what we're doing here. We're taking different levels of fandom and experience, and we're combining it, and we're talking about it. Yeah, we're just part of the process. We aren't the process, you know. At the end of the day, and 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 I'm okay with that. But let that be a lesson, there, listeners. That you know, you can rant and rave, you can be angry all you want, but at the end of the day, they're not making Star Wars just for Phil Tobin, just for Boris Aguilar. You know, they're making Star Wars for everybody. Unfortunately, you may not like some stuff. You may like some stuff. And if you don't like it, you don't need to consume it. It's a simple Maybe as that. Maybe you'll get to love it like Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, to the point, though, that was for kids, right? Exactly. Uh, like, uh, okay, target audience completely over my head. And stupid. But there's concept. a whole bunch of kids that grow up, that have grown up yep. now, and are adults that just sit there and think, "Oh man, that was such a great time when Jar Jar was doing this and I really enjoyed that as as a viewing experience." Holy fuck. So good on them. I'm just thinking that there are people out there who don't know Star Wars without Jar Jar. Yeah. It it is a scary scary situation and you look at the amount of content by the Clone Wars, the cartoon. You look at the amount of era content that, that Lucasfilm has produced, bridging between that and A New Hope. Yeah. Man, oh man, it is crazy to think there's lots of people that could be out there that haven't seen the original trilogy and might not need to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it might Holy. not ever be, like, <laughs> sacred to them. They might just visit it one day and go, oh, crap, that's what my dad talked about. These movies are old. How did you like them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can see the wires. <laughs> if, if, if only our listeners could see my face right now. It's like, I just got like the ultimate holy fuck moment in life. Yeah, it, it's mind-blowing. And, you know, it's part of the challenge with taking this on, reimagining it, relaunching it. And, and hopefully with Star Wars, they don't really need to reboot it. I, I'd like to see them expand. Yep. Just go outside of the Skywalker saga like they're talking about. Go into different eras. Go into different timelines. Have fun with the property. The same as you do with Marvel, right? Like, I love the idea of these new shows like What If? Yeah. And and also, you know, Kevin Feige this week was talking about a much more uh, deeper connection with the TV IPs and yep. whatnot because they bought Daredevil back and 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 they're talking about how they reboot that into it and you're not going to be able to go into a movie and necessarily be a hundred percent knowledgeable and watch a movie but you are going to be able to go into the movie and watch it which is really the main 
point of the audience. They're going to try and reward the super fans, but they've done this with Star Wars and they failed spectacularly. They yep. keep on talking about unified canon in books, comics, blah, 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 blah. And then you get to like The Last Jedi and Holdo is nothing like any of the books or the backstory that they gave her. Yeah. In everything, because the you know the director made a decision. I respect his decision. Yeah. I it's not my favorite movie, but I respect what he attempted. Right? I'm 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 not going to slag anybody for liking it. Uh, but there is decisions made, mm-hmm. and those don't always reward those who invest in the canon. And that's where Disney and any other corporation that's wanting to attempt an endeavor such as this needs to be very consistent on point and organized. Exactly. And that is at the end of the day, all you can do and all you can hope for. It might not be for us. It's for somebody, but we're not technically the core audience anymore for everything. Make the product consistent, please. Holy Regardless if I'm consuming it or not. Exactly. And Hey, I might not, I might choose not to, but now we're just going around in circles and yep. I think on that note, spectacular note, I was able to bring it all together, the whole the whole episode. And I think that this is a great point where we can, uh, you know, do our sign off. So, Phil, tell our listeners how they can listen, uh, how where they can find us. Oh, you can find us on Twitter at It's Canon Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, It's Canon Podcast. Um, you can find us at any place where you consume podcasts. Just take a look for It's Canon Podcast, Apple. Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you want. And uh, I know that if you sniff around a little bit, we'll, we'll try to get a little more transparent with our actual Twitter handles and, and things like that so we can engage directly. But for now, it's best if you just kind of hit that It's Canon podcast and let us know. And Phil, you know what the best part of it all is? What's that? It's all in Canon. Yeah, Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, thanks everyone for listening. As always, I'm Boris, joined by Phil. Goodbye.